I feel good. Ow! I can't help but think that. My name is James Brown, you know. You're, you're singing I feel good. I just, you know, I just can't. Ow! You know, I can't, do it, I can't do it as well as he did it. But, you know, hey, this is the white version. Well, last, last week we uh, talked about devotion, or dependence, rather. Dependence on God, shining the dependence, why we have to be completely dependent on God. So today I want to talk about something very, very similar, and that's devotion. The two kind of go together, because you can't really be dependent without the devotion, and if you are totally dependent, then you will have that devotion. So they really do work together a lot. So turn over to Luke chapter 14. Now we're going to talk about devotion. We're a very devoted church. First of all, I want to commend you for everyone. All of you have made the merge so, so easy. Now I messed it up a lot, but you guys have made it really easy. Because you're devoted, you become very devoted to one another. The life groups we have, the relationships we're we're forming, the openness that we have in those groups has just merged the group so well, we've really become one congregation. To God be the glory for that. Amen? But thank you for making that happen as well. You allowed God to make that happen. We're such a serving church. We're devoted to serving. When you ask people to do things, yes, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Well, how about this? I can do that as well. We're such a serving church. People volunteer for things. And so we have a connection of volunteerism here. And let me do that. And, and with all their heart, everyone, all of you serve with all your hearts. We're very devoted to giving. Uh, it really, really blew my mind knowing that our goal for special contribution of one, $158,000, and this is once a year we take up uh, special contribution devoted to missions, And we not only surpassed it, but we're over $190,000. So that is huge, massive. And so it just shows how devoted you are to God's work, how devoted you are to the mission field and being able to spread the message and how devoted you are to the church here and your sacrificial giving. I mean, did you take a look around? This group isn't that big, and we gave over $190,000 for special contribution. That's mind-blowing. And so I just want to thank you for all the devotion that you are showing constantly. We have an amazing church family, don't we? It's just amazing. However, as Christians, we always want to make sure that we're growing. We don't want to ever stall out. We, we, we sometimes have to take some time to reevaluate where we are just to make sure we're on track, to make sure we're actually growing in our faith, growing in our devotion, shining even in our devotion. And really, there's no better scripture to really get in and ask that question than Luke chapter 14. There really isn't. So turn over to Luke chapter 14 and verse 25 through 26. Now, the thing about this verse, we all know this verse, right? Maybe not all of us, but many of us do. Most of us do. But what's really interesting about this verse is it is not, Jesus did not speak these words to non-Christians. 
Jesus actually spoke these words to believers, to his followers. They were following him. These people considered themselves disciples already. And so as we read this, we've got to make sure that we keep it into context. This scripture isn't for non-believers. The scripture actually is for people that say, I am a disciple of Jesus. And so that's very important. Otherwise, we'll just pass by it. Our heart will not connect with the scripture at all because we'll think, well, I'm sure glad you're reading this scripture because that person back there needs to hear this. You might even be saying, my husband really needs to hear this again. And so as we read it, let's focus on us. Let's not think of anybody else and how the world needs to hear this. Sure, the world needs to hear it, but you know what? Let's start with us, right? Let's start with me. Let's start with us. So Luke 14, 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, first of all, that's not a way to keep a crowd together. If Jesus were looking for large numbers, he blew it. Because quite frequently he would do this and most of the people would disappear. Because like, this is a hard teaching, we can't accept this. And so obviously Jesus is not people pleasing here. He's not trying to get followers, just simple followers. He's not trying to get a crowd moving with him. He's looking for something much deeper, much more intense than that. And Jesus is filled with love. So we might read this and say, this is really harsh. This is really blunt. But you know what? Jesus never did anything that wasn't out of love. Everything he said was motivated out of love for people and love for God and helping people get connected with God. So he looked at the crowd and he had compassion because he realized They think they're right. They think they're going to heaven. They think they're okay with God, but they're not. I need to say this. I need to make sure they realize what it really takes to be right with God. What it would take to be with God forever. And you know, it wouldn't be love, would it? To know the truth of what it takes to get to God, to really know that, and to not share it? Would that be love? No, not at all. So he looked at the crowd and he said, I love them. I need them to know it's not enough. And so he spoke the truth to them. You know, what word stands out to you in this? It's pretty easy, right? Hate. If anyone comes to me and does not... Well, how about love less? You know what's funny with Bible translators? They they like to translate it so that we can understand it. So for nearly every Bible, even the Bibles that are trying to be really connected with us, you know what word they use there? Hate. Why? Because that's what it says. That's what the Greek says. You know, it's the strongest word Jesus could have possibly used, isn't it? You need to hate. Now, it it looks so confusing. You need to hate your mother You need to hate your father. You need to hate your children and your brother, your sister. And then you have to hate your own life. What about self-esteem? 
Jesus isn't trying to boost your self-esteem. He's trying to boost your God-esteem. It's not about you. It's all about God. It's all about connecting with God for eternity. This life is so instant. It passes by so quickly. And if you want to know the truth, you ask somebody in their 90s, and they will tell you this life has gone by so quickly. And then there's eternity. And so Jesus wants us to connect. So he uses the word hate. Well, actually, it's not that hard to understand if you think about it this way. How many people here love pizza? I mean, how many people here love pizza? Uh, I think a lot of you are lying. You're afraid to raise your hand. So, you know, hey. I mean, keep your hands up. How many people love pizza? Come on. Yeah, okay, we got some honest people. Okay, hands down. How many people here love their mother? The teens are looking around for their moms. How many people here love pizza more than their mom? Yeah, I hope nobody would answer that one. You know, there's a huge difference between loving pizza and loving your mom. And if your mom said, for some reason, whatever reason, if you love me, you'll give up pizza. If you really love me, you'll give up pizza. What are we going to do? How about cheating? See, there's a big difference between loving pizza and loving your mom. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about literally going and hating your mother, your father, and your wife, and your children. Because he teaches the opposite. You need to love them. The beauty is when you love God more than you love everybody else, your quality of love for others changes radically. It no longer becomes a joint love. It becomes really just a passionate, one-way, outward love. Because your love is so connected to God, you're just 100% connected with God, it just flows from, from heaven out to people. And so no wonder Jesus is saying this. He wants us to love others more than we've ever loved others. But the only way to do it is to love God so much more. To place God above absolutely everything. So we've got to choose. We've got to choose. This world or that? We've got to choose. Our life or His? We've got to choose. Job, work, family or devotion to Him? The only way to love others is to love Him. Not love Him a little more. There's got to be an unrivaled love. That nothing even comes close. As east is from the west, so we love God more than others. You know, this is pretty extreme, isn't it? You know, what happens if we don't make this choice? What happens if we say, no, I, I just I want to continue to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and I just want to fit a little Jesus into my life. That's, all, that's good enough for me. What happens if we don't choose that total level devotion to Jesus? What would Jesus say? I mean, we can read the words of Jesus here. Do you think Jesus is just teasing here? No, he said, you cannot be my disciple. In other words, you can't be a part of him. You can't go to heaven. Now, that may be really shocking to a lot of us. 
certainly was shocking to me. I grew up believing in God. I was praying every day. I was sharing my faith. I really believed I, if I weren't, you know, if I'm not a Christian, nobody's a Christian. I'm not saying I was humble. I'm saying I was proud. Everybody looked at me confused. No, I was, I said that out of pride. I had no idea. Then when I studied this scripture, I'm like, there's no way I'm doing that. So the guy studying the Bible with me said, so are you really a disciple? I go, how can I be? I go, that means I'm lost. That means I'm not even going to heaven. He didn't say anything. But that got my attention for sure. You know what else got my attention? The very next verse. Look at this verse. Verse 27. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And look at this. And as if he hasn't challenged us enough, as if we need more challenging He says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoa, that is really strong language. Not only do we have to give up the world and our lives and our interests and our dreams, but now we have to take on Jesus' mission, Jesus' love for the Father, what Jesus wants to do, His will rather than our will. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in the garden? Your will be done, not mine. Jesus is admitting he had a will, but he defaulted to God's will. This is powerful language. And people in the first century knew exactly what Jesus meant by this. Exactly. How many people have been crucified in the first century? By the Romans. Maybe hundreds of thousands. The Romans used crucifixion as the most cruel punishment they could do on its enemies it was so cruel that they thought there's one group of people we can't crucify because this is just too too rough and just too there's a word that i'm missing it's it's um shameful degrading thank you that's even a better word too degrading for this group of people so you know who the people were that they refused to crucify even though they were robbers and thieves and did horrible things they, they refused to crucify their own people, Romans. So people in the first century, Jews, knew exactly what this meant. They knew that the cross reflected death. When Jesus said, you've got to carry whose cross, by the way? Had Jesus died here? Jesus hadn't been on a cross. Nobody thought Jesus was going to go to a cross. So he's saying, you must carry your cross. There's only one meaning for that. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. I'm carrying a cross. I'm dead. And Jesus is saying, that is the only way to be a disciple. That is the only way to get right with God. Total devotion. Didn't Jesus say the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength? You know, if I were, well, whatever. That's what it's all about. It's about God and His love for us, His passion for us, and He wants us to connect with Him. And His love and His deep passion, He says, this is the way to it. You give up what you have because it's inferior. And you take on what I have because it's superior. It's the only way to do it. Wow. 
That is challenging. To die to our personal will, I find it extremely challenging to do this. Extremely challenging. I find this challenging every single day because I want to do stuff all the time. That when I think about it, I go, but Jesus wouldn't want me to do that. I want to say things a lot. And I have to bite my tongue till the blood rows down my throat. Because Jesus wouldn't say that. I'm sure that we all can relate to this. To take on Jesus' will and His desires and His dreams. Wow, that is intense. Do you think He really means cannot? Do you think He really means cannot? I mean, isn't there kind of a middle ground here? Then why do we live like there is one? You know, the only way to follow the crucified one is to be crucified yourself. Why would Jesus demand this level of devotion from us? You know, Jesus has never asked us to do anything that he himself hasn't first done. He never asked us to do anything more than what he himself has done. Jesus gave everything so that we could imitate it, so that we could do it. You know, Jesus has been more devoted to us than we have ever been to him. But it's all about love and authentic love at that. See, Jesus knows that if we're that devoted, we will love God with everything we have. And we tend to love. Don't we tend to love what we're devoted to? Isn't that right? You can sort of see, you know, the devotion means love. Love means devotion. You know, it kind of connects with that. You know, if you love God, if you're devoted to God, you love God. You know, you're connected. If you love your spouse, right? You become devoted. Because of your love, you become very, very devoted. And your kids, same thing. And the Yankees, same thing. So when we choose to love God and be totally devoted, God's arms are completely around. We are in God's realm living in God's realm. And we understand more profoundly Jesus and his love for us. We connect with the creator on a much deeper level. And we can then relate to Jesus. Everything makes more sense. It's like, oh, this is what Jesus meant. So, we're going to have to give up our freedoms. Want to be a disciple? Want to get to heaven? You're going to have to give up your freedoms. That sounds really unpatriotic, doesn't it? Fourth of July weekend... Freedoms? Give up my freedoms? That's, that's un-American. Yeah, you're right, because America was founded on freedom. It was founded on rebellion, actually, for freedom. And so let's not fool ourselves that we're not rebellious here. We're going to fight to get our freedoms back as disciples. We've counted the cost. We've said, yes, Jesus, we're in, we're in. But then if you just keep coasting, you're going to go down like this, because what's inside is a selfish ambition that you'll never completely quench. It's just going to battle with you. Now, it's not wrong to dream dreams. It's not wrong to desire certain things. I'll have a decaf, non-fat latte, double cup extra hot. Oh, make it out of mocha with cream. I'll add a little caramel as well. 
double cup and remember the extra hot and remember the sleeve. Give me two sleeves. Put one sleeve in the other sleeve and then we can have like double cup, double sleeved. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I like my coffee. I roast my own coffee because I really don't like other people's coffee. It sounds really horrible. That sounds really, that sounds really horrible. Anyway, I, if you've ever done it, you'll understand why. But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. So it's not wrong to dream dreams, but when our dreams start leading us instead of Jesus leading us, then there's a problem. There's a conflict of interest. Our devotion becomes divided. Our hearts become divided. And our relationship with God wanes. You could even stop being a disciple. You can start out strong and then somehow... You just leave God. So we need to reevaluate, don't we? We need to take some time and evaluate, am I a true disciple? Am I a true follower? Have I really committed to Jesus? Am I sold out 100%? We need to reevaluate because that's love. That is the way to heaven. That is God's love. That's connecting with God's love, connecting with Jesus' love, understanding Jesus' heart, understanding His passion. It wasn't Jesus... All love. So when we become Jesus, like Jesus in that way, we become all love. How beautiful. You know, Gordon and Ashley are getting married. How many weeks? In how many weeks? 63 days. He couldn't give me the amount of weeks. All that mattered were the days. You know, and a lot of us are going to be there, maybe most of us. You know, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be at the chapel next door. And it's going to be really an emotional time to see their wedding. And, you know, what happens if Gordon, during the vows... During the vows, Gordon is looking at Ashley and tenderly says, Honey, I am so devoted to you. I am devoted 87, no, 88% to you. I am so devoted with 88% of my heart. And her smile is going to go. <laughs> but that's what we do with God. At our baptism, I'm 100% committed. I am devoted 100%. And then, I'm devoted 88%. But we don't say that because we know that's wrong. So instead of saying it, we just think about it and deny it. No, I'm fine. I'm doing great. Hey, how are you doing? Great. So we just smile, and our smile lights up the room, and we just bump shells and go home like this. You know what's going on in your heart. You know how devoted you are. If you, st- if you really think about it, if you really pray about it, if you say, God, show me, Holy Spirit, show me my devotion or lack of, devotion to you, then we'll know 
You know, self-interest always creeps into a marriage and it creeps into our relationship with God. We actually creep in. You know, how's that working for your marriage when selfishness creeps back in? Or lack of devotion to your spouse, how's that working out? You happy? Honey, I'm up to 50%. God is so serious about love. God is so serious about our love for Him and His love for us and Jesus and our love for Him and His love for us and our bonding and our relating and our connecting and living in that love. He is so serious about it that He demands, demands an unrivaled love. Demands that we have nothing before Him. No idols before Him. And again, we can just pretend we have nothing that conflicts with God. It's easy to pretend. But we have to know that for sure. And our hearts are always under attack. They're always under attack. The, the proof is not what you say. It's not even what you believe. The proof is what you practice. How connected you are. If you're having a trouble reading your Bible, there could be two reasons for that. One is you're not good a, re- not good a reader. And that's fine because the Bible's on audio tape. You don't have to be a great reader. I just heard, I just heard the Portuguese version being played back there of a Bible on tape. I mean, it's great. So you don't have to be a good reader. But maybe you don't want to listen either. Maybe, you have to, maybe you're so busy you have to work in Bible study. I've got to work it in. I've got better work in that prayer. I've got to be more consistent. I got I to gotta do more. You know, if that goes on day to day to day, you're not committed. You're not devoted. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think it's better to starve than not be connected with God. That's just me. I guess that's just me. But I think we need to be that serious about God. If we're going to call ourselves disciples, we have to be that serious about God. We have to be that devoted to God. Now the world may say, that's crazy. What are you doing? You've lost your mind. You're a Jesus freak. That's insane. Are you a cult? Well, if we are a cult, you know who we're a cult of? Jesus. Because He's the one that asked us to do it. You can say, I'm asking you to do it, but it's not me. It's the Bible. Hopefully you realize I'm just preaching Bible here and not my own opinion. I mean, my flesh would like it to not say that. My flesh would like that verse to say, love me more. Not hate everything else. But Jesus is that serious. Just like any spouse would be, to be quite honest. Just like any of our spouses would be. They require, we require, I require, Teresa requires, I hope Gordon requires. No, no, I should say, I'm sorry. I hope Ashley requires. 100%. The Christian life is challenging. The Christian life is extremely challenging because we live in the flesh. We have our nature. We have our wills. We want, we want, we want. We have to, okay, what does Jesus want me to do? That's challenging because it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be natural. I wish it were. God, can you just make me naturally want what you want? I prayed that prayer, but I'm not sure God will answer it. Christian life is so challenging. We need God's help, of course. We can't do this. We, we have to be totally dependent on God to make this happen. 
But you know what? There's one other thing sometimes we forget. Not only do we have to be dependent on God and need God to pull this off, we actually need each other. You know, the Bible makes it clear that Christianity is not a lone wolf religion. It actually says you can't make it on your own. We have to have the group. We've got to be able to have others helping us. So I've got a small movie clip I want to show you here. It's from Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan's in Eastern Europe. And this is, you can see a dog is trapped at a dam. This is a spillway of a dam. It's a large dam. There's a lot of water coming. And if he gets swept away, he's going to get swept away into the river and, and not survive. Because there's so much turbulence. So these are strangers. The ledge is too steep. So they start to form a chain.
So this was a very daring thing to do. He obviously was risking, they were risking their lives, but especially the guy at the bottom, because he could have been swept away and drowned. So just to get down there was a risk, which we didn't even see on tape. Nobody was filming at that point. But he gets down the ledge to reach the dog, and obviously the dog was helpless. Couldn't do anything. So he was risking his life to go out there to get the dog in the first place. Then he was trying to get up, and he needed help, as we need help. And so they dared to form a change. They said, we've got to make this happen. We've got to help one another. We've got to all pitch in here. They couldn't do it with the number of people they had. They, we need more people. So they got more people to pitch in, all of them, total strangers, to pitch in. They rescued the dog. Who is helping you today? Who is helping you today? Who is risking their life to help you today? To love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Who is in your life getting in there and identifying pride? Identifying selfishness? Identifying greed? Who is there that loves you enough, that loves you the same way Jesus did, to speak the truth in love? Not in anger, not in frustration. That's all selfish. But to speak in love, using the Word, not their own opinion. The Word to help you become a true, authentic disciple and totally devoted to finish the race strong. Let's read this again. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And however does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. This is a test we must pass. We cannot fail in this test. This test is an eternal test. It determines our eternal destiny. We must pass this test. If we do not have this level of devotion, we're not going to make it to the end. What he demanded of his disciples, he demands of us. The identical commitment, the identical mission, the identical heart. If you don't have disciples in your life helping you grow, talk to someone. Talk to the people you know best in this congregation. Because we love to help and we want to help. For those of us choosing to be disciples, are you still growing? Or have you stalled? Is this a church or a fan club? Discipleship is a long, a lifelong process of growth. We're never going to arrive. It's a daily battle, but we will grow. And of course, he promises, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is asking us today. He's asking you. He's asking me. Jesus is asking the same thing he asked his followers 2,000 years ago. Are you committed? Are you a true disciple? Anything short of total devotion is that fan club. The fan club level is a lot of fun and it's a lot of camaraderie, but it doesn't last. One thing, it's one thing to admire Jesus and praise him, right? Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's another to put into practice exactly what Jesus is teaching us. So let us renew our devotion to the Master. Amen?
let us examine, let us renew. Let us think about the time we were the most committed, the absolute most committed, and let's match it. And then after you've done that, exceed it. Let's renew our commitment to cast off whatever hinders us and to take on our own cross. God is calling us. God is calling men and women to rise up and be disciples of Jesus. Men and women who know they are called, not by the world, but by the King of Kings, the Creator of the universe, chosen by God. Men and women who will dare to venture into the unknown, to take that risky and daring journey into Jesus' totally committed circle of disciples. God is calling, God is looking for men and women who will dare to be more devoted than they've ever been in their life. Dare to go to dangerous places for Jesus. Dare to shine in devotion, no matter what the world thinks. Dare to give up their own will for His alone. We're never going to get there, but we're going to grow. And God is going to be with us. With God and His mighty armory of disciples, we will succeed. Because God is a mighty warrior. And those of us that are committed to Him are mighty warriors with Him. And we are going to shine in 2009. And we're going to shine in 2020. And for the rest of our life, amen.